Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. We haven't been with you in some time. If we take a, a hiatus as we did in the podcast for the, the latter part of the summer, we will continue to produce content on Tech Today's website, written content that is. Short articles, long form articles, reports and such. And so if you don't hear from us here in the podcast, be sure to, to check out our, our content at Tech Today. Wanted to circle back on, on inflation and... I'll include in the show notes uh, an article, I think it was from the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. Yeah, Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, 1997, talking about the evolution of the word inflation. Because if you recall, at one point in time, inflation meant, as defined by the Fed, the, the, the money supply. So as the Fed would expand the money supply, that was inflation. That's how I define inflation. The Fed, of course, has evolved its definition. And now refers to infra- inflation as, as price increases, asset price increases. So they've sort of shifted the onus onto uh, what's happening in the real economy uh, when, in fact, they are the ones who are the catalyst for price increases by way of their actions in inflating the money supply. So it's monetary policy that creates inflation, directly related. And so... I think last time I came to in the podcast, I felt a bit like the boy who cried wolf as it related to, um, you know, my view at the time and, and continues to be that in- inflation is persistent. Anytime that uh, you, you pump trillions of dollars into the economy, as as we did over the past year and a half, and uh, allocated trillions in newly printed money to Americans, you, you're going to have uh, price increases. So anytime you increase the money supply, but don't have a commensurate increase in productivity, that excess slack is going to manifest itself in the in the form of price increases in the real economy. And that's, of course, what, what has happened. And the Fed has stated over the past number of months, of course, that those price increases are transitory. And we've been steadfast since last year in saying, no, the, those price increases will be persistent. And then if you recall, in early April of this year, we published a, a, a book entitled Stagflation is Eminent, and now stagflation's here. So those price increases aren't going anywhere. You, you may see commodities flex a little bit, price of oil, for example, as the supply is increased and decreased by OPEC and things like this. But computer electronics or consumer electronics, rather, apparel, foodstuffs, those prices are going to remain elevated for, for some time, and therefore the year-over-year comparable is going to be is going to be elevated. Another big one is rent. That's what, 23% roughly of, of the CPI. And the Fed reports on those numbers. It collects data from each property every six months. And so you're going to have a, a new slate of properties roll through the CPI numbers here in the next few months. And so the Fed's rental measure, which if you recall is a, a, a surveyed measure, whereby the Fed surveys property owners and asks them, what do they think they would be able to command for a rental price? The, the Fed doesn't actually collect rental data from companies like Zillow. If you look at actual rental data, you've seen 20% price increases year over year for the past number of months. So those numbers are going to start to roll through the CPI. And so you'll see CPI remain elevated, maybe even tick up a little bit as, as the, the BLS publishes those, those figures. And so the Fed's preferred measure, i.e. CPI, is going to remain elevated for a period of time. And it's you eventually you would hope that the Fed would stop referring to inflation as transitory, although it's in their best interest to continue to do so. 
So inflation is uh, price increases, elevated price increases are not transitory. And then when you combine the elevated prices with a, a weak economy, you have stagflation. If you look at the Atlanta Fed produces a, um, a real GDP metric called Nowcast. And GDP now is at, what, 3.7%. And I'll, I'll link to some of the articles and show notes where we've talked about some of the stuff in detail so you can check it out for yourself. But you have real GDP decreasing. And who knows if we actually even have real GDP growth, you know, with the various supply bottlenecks and such. Who's to say that uh, in real terms that GDP is growing at all? You know, the, the nominal GDP may be just, in fact, purely nominal. And real GDP may be zero or, or negative for all I know. But let's assume that the Atlanta Fed is correct and we have low single-digit real GDP down from mid-single-digit. So we're in a period now of stagflation. And there's sort of no way around it, and it's going to be here for some time. And it's going to be interesting now if the Fed decides to tighten into a slowing economy. That for sure will wreck the markets. The equity market has a substantial amount to fall, in our view. And I, I do think for sure, and we've written about this as well, uh, I do think for sure you'll see tightening on the mortgage-backed security side. As far as the $80 billion in treasuries, I think you're going to have to wait for that $3.5 trillion deal to get through Congress. If it gets through, then the Fed's going to be the buyer. I don't think you're going to see China or Japan want to absorb trillions of dollars in new treasury issues. So the, the, the Fed would be the primary buyer of that $3.5 trillion. So why would you tighten treasury purchases, you know, re- reduce that $80, $80 billion per month in treasury purchases? Why would you reduce that if, in fact, you know you're going to have to be the, the major buyer on $3.5 trillion in new treasury issues? So I think you wait to see resolution on that. If you're the Fed, see what happens with that $3.5 trillion in Congress. And once you know what the outcome is as it relates to that deal, then you could figure out whether or not you're going to tighten your your activity on the on the treasury side. Not to mention, I've, I've said and I've written, a lot of this is, is political. I think Powell wanted more than anything to get reappointed Fed chair, which would happen in February of 2022. And so he didn't want to tighten ahead of having confidence that he would, in fact, be, be reappointed. These Fed board members and Fed chairs are concerned with legacy and reputation in their jobs as much as, as anybody else, and that drives their behavior as much as anything else. To, to suggest that the Fed is independent and acts according to what would be best for the economy isn't, isn't the case. These guys don't operate in a vacuum. They are politically motivated. You know, we're on the record as saying that the, the, the Fed is, in fact, a, an appendage of Treasury and that it, it, it wants inflation at the moment. Inflation, price inflation is the the Fed's friend because as the the prices of finished goods and services increases, so do the tax revenue. And those increased tax revenues can be applied to the, the interest service expense, which remains fixed. And so, uh, you know, with all the new debt that the, the fiscal side has piled on, uh, the Fed is doing the fiscal side a favor by uh, creating price increases, i.e. inflation in, in the economy. As far as interest rate increases, that's who knows, right? But that, that would be a 2022 event at, at the earliest. It, it's just not clear timing on, on that side. But I do think you'll see mortgage-backed tightening at the, at the end of this year. So just in, in summary, inflation, as the Fed defines it, is here and will remain here for some time. It is not transitory. Inflation, as the Fed defines it, was not always as the Fed defined it. 
they've changed the definition to make themselves look more favorable. Inflation is, in fact, the growth in the money supply. And I just believe we're going to have a, a, a choppy road here, uh, particularly in the equity markets, as, as tightening starts to happen. The chatter I hear from some portfolio managers that, oh, the market's just going to look through it. Not going to happen. The market is so elevated, some of these names have 60, 70, 80, 90% to, to fall, particularly these high growth, momentum, zero cash flow companies that rely on elevated prices to raise capital to keep the business going. Uh, I'm thinking about some of these SPACs in particular. So all this stuff is going to come crashing down in due time. That's all for now. See you next time.